Hello, this is Around the Keg, and I'm Matt, and I'm ready to talk some f-ing football. So, on to week 10, Matt had a couple good games last weekend, uh, Georgia, once again, getting the W against Florida. Uh, Chad could not be here this week. He's at a concert with our tech producer, Keys, uh, leaving Matt and me to fend for ourselves, um, which is just a very bad combination, but... We'll make it work. We'll see what happens. Um, Georgia obviously gets the win over Florida. Uh, Bama gets an off week after beating the Tar out of Mississippi State with me and Matt in their presence last weekend or the weekend before. Um, And uh, Tennessee clobbering Kentucky uh, with another big resume booster. And uh, we saw the CFP rankings last night. They stuck them at number one. Matt, what do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, so yesterday whenever – uh, we were talking in our, in our little group chat about the rankings, and someone said, uh, what are your personal? My personal was Georgia should be one, but I said if I go strictly off of resumes, I'm putting Tennessee at one. Uh, because if you look at resumes, Tennessee by far has the best resume overall. They've got a good road win over LSU, who the committee put at 10. Uh, they have a, a win against Alabama. They have a win against Pitt. So when you factor in all of the Tennessee victories that they have comparatively across the board, uh, they they I thought they hit the nail on the head as far as if you're going based off of resumes. There's just a lot of inconsistency there, though, whenever you talk about resumes because put Clemson in at four and TCU has a better resume than Clemson um, at four. So I found that interesting. So – the the committee and they and they have TCU at seven, which to me is just crazy. I think Michigan and Ohio State's resumes are, you know, the, the Big Ten's really, really weak right now. So there's not a lot that they can do resume wise. So I didn't understand how they had Ohio State over Georgia. Uh if we're if we're going resume wise, but um look. I, I think if, if you want to say eye test, then let the eye test be the thing. If you want to go resumes, let resumes be the thing. There's a lot of inconsistencies uh, as far as that goes. But overall, look, I, I don't think how it, it's going to shake itself out. Uh, we always do this early on in the in the process whenever they put out the first week of college football playoff rankings. We always say, oh, well, I don't like where they put this team or this team or this team. And by the time we get to the Final Four by championship weekend, it plays itself out, and you get the four teams that are supposed to be there. Matt, if the committee was consistent, college football just wouldn't be as fun. It's it's way more fun to have these random rankings they throw up every single week uh, once we get into November. And uh, you just sit there and go, all right, well, this one makes sense. They have a better resume than this team. It's like, oh, well, how's this team over this team? Because the resume is obviously better. And if they're going by resume, they should rank it this way. Um, but they do say normally it's not just solely by resume. Resume is just the tiebreaker. The eye test in the end is what they look at. Um, and I think ultimately that's what they did when they put Ohio State over Georgia. As they said, Ohio State has looked better in more of their games than Georgia has. And honestly, I think it goes back to that Missouri game for Georgia. If Georgia doesn't almost lose to Missouri, if that game's a blowout, I think Georgia's probably number two. Um, I think. Tennessee 100% deserves to be one. I've been saying it for the last two weeks since they beat Alabama. Uh, the resume is just too strong. I mean, beating Pitt at Pitt. I mean, obviously, it's an NFL stadium. They're not packing the stadium out, but it, it's still Pitt. Um, you know, they beat Florida. They beat Kentucky. They beat LSU at home. They destroy LSU at home. 
Um, and the game where, for some reason, they wore their smoky gray uniforms away, which I still think was so weird. Uh, but then you go and you beat Alabama at home, too. So they uh, they deserve it. I mean, going into the Georgia game, too, um, I, I thought it was kind of crazy that Georgia was ranked number one over Tennessee. Um, but either way, I mean, like everybody says, it's all going to play out at the end of the year. So the first rankings, they matter just to see where – the playoff committee values different teams, but in the end, it's you know people are going to lose, people are going to play each other. Half of these teams are going to play each other, so it'll play itself out. Yeah, and when with the, I think where it's going to get really interesting is we know that the playoff is expanding probably in twenty twenty four. I'm assuming twenty twenty four, definitely twenty twenty five. That it's going to be at least a twelve team playoff, and if you look at it, that would mean that just based off of this initial rankings you would have five SEC teams in the playoff. If if these rankings were the final one, obviously it's not. There's still three weeks of college football plus championship weekend left to go. Um, but it, you've got five SEC teams that are squarely in the mix, uh, including LSU, who's a two-loss team. They have two-loss LSU in the top ten, which I found interesting. Uh, that they are the highest ranked two loss team, but it comes at a great time because you've got Alabama going into Baton Rouge this weekend. So another top 10 matchup there. Uh, first night game in Baton Rouge this year, I'm pretty sure. Um, I, I know that Mississippi State, someone said Mississippi State was a night game in Baton Rouge, uh, but I heard somewhere that this was the first night game in Baton Rouge all year. Uh, so if, if, if it's either the first or the second. Um, Nonetheless, it's going to be a crazy atmosphere there for a top 10 game. And uh, look, the SEC has got itself positioned in a really good spot right now to to make some conversations interesting. And, and I think it starts this weekend with Tennessee and Georgia in, uh, in a massive uh, – if you go by the AP poll, it's one versus two with Georgia being number one and Tennessee at two in the AP poll. Uh, one versus two there, and that, that that's a, a monstrous game in Athens. Yeah, I mean, you could even say it's one versus one because Tennessee's one in the, in the playoff poll and then Georgia's one in the AP poll. Um, but obviously, the committee had to take away the game of the century. Uh, couldn't have it that big, even though tickets are going for $850 on game time right now. Uh, but either way, I mean, if you look at what the SEC has on schedule the rest of the season, Tennessee, Georgia's this weekend. Alabama plays LSU. Alabama's still got to play Ole Miss. And then either Ole Miss, LSU, or Alabama is going to have to play Tennessee or Georgia in the SEC championship. So five teams in the top eleven, um, and all of those teams are going to end up playing each other at some point. So, and that's what's so interesting too, because a lot of people are talking about really good chance the SEC has two teams in the playoff, but in the end, you know Tennessee could beat Georgia and then go lose to Alabama, or they could lose to. I mean, they play South Carolina. I doubt they'll lose that game. Um, there's a lot of things that could happen to where it could really throw that off. Um, but I think the best case for the SEC for getting two teams in is for Tennessee to lose to Georgia this weekend and then for Georgia to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Or honestly, either way. Because either way, if even if Alabama beats Georgia, I think Georgia and Tennessee are in. I don't think the committee values Georgia's resume as much as most other SEC teams, mostly because they had a conference. You play you play Oregon, but besides that, the SEC East has been pretty weak when they come to play Georgia. Because so far, Georgia hasn't played a ranked team besides um, besides Oregon. And this week, it'll be Tennessee. And adding that Tennessee win on the resume will help. Um, but in the end, Tennessee's already got a good resume. Obviously, they value it as the number one team in the country. 
If they lose, I think they are almost automatically in, assuming TCU or Clemson drop a game uh, before the end of the season. If those two teams win and they're both undefeated, they're going to be in the playoff. That's just how it is. They're a Power 5 team. If you're undefeated, you can't miss it. But I've watched a lot of TCU this year. I've watched a lot of Clemson. I don't see – I could see both those teams losing the game, and I definitely think at least one will. Uh, Clemson obviously has Notre Dame this week. TCU still has to play Baylor at Baylor. It still has to play uh, Texas at Texas. Uh, those are two tough games. I mean, that's that's a tough schedule for both those teams. Uh, so either way, I mean, lots of things that could still happen. Big Ten still has a chance to get two teams in, obviously with Michigan at five, Ohio State at two. Um, and I don't see a game either one of those teams are going to lose up until they play each other. Yeah. It, so we live in a world, and, and I know people are going to tag – and be like, no, there's no chance of this. But we do live in a world where it's a real possibility of having three SEC teams in this. If if Georgia beats Tennessee this weekend, Alabama beats Alabama wins out and beats Georgia in the SEC championship, those three teams having one loss. If TCU and Clemson both drop a game, and then obviously Michigan or Ohio State is going to lose one of those games. If you sit down and look at resume, Alabama's got one of the toughest schedules in the country. We've talked about that numerous times. Just the stretch that they've been on. If they went out and they end up with one loss, and their one loss being a missed field goal with 15 seconds left against Tennessee on the road at Neyland Stadium, Tennessee's one loss being on the road in Athens, and, and Georgia's one loss being in the SEC championship against Alabama – the Michigan loss or Ohio State loss, if that being their one loss, it's probably going to get overruled now. And, and you live in a world where there's a real possibility that in a perfect scenario plays out there that three SEC teams could get in the playoff. Um, now, do I think that's going to happen? No. I think that it's going to play itself out to where at most two will get in. Uh, but like you said, TCU's got some tough games coming up on the slate. And uh, – Clemson is even some of their not as tough games. I just don't think Clemson's played up the Clemson potential yet, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So it's Clemson's not a perfect team. Uh, meanwhile, in the SEC, you've got, and especially in the SEC West, uh, Alabama still has LSU in Baton Rouge this weekend. They go on the road to Ole Miss, who's ranked 11 this week and is on a bye week this week. So if Alabama beats LSU, Ole Miss is most likely going to slot up into the top 10, so another top 10 game on the road for Alabama. Uh, and then you know, it just doesn't get any easier. Obviously, Auburn is down this year, so the Iron Bowl is not going to be what it is. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that in a second, but – the SEC West is tough, uh, and the SEC as a whole is tough. And I think that this weekend is really going to be what sets up the stage for uh, the what what we're moving forward to with the playoff picture. And on that note, I would definitely like to transition into Brian Harson being released from his duties from Auburn University. It's official as of yesterday. Obviously, we all knew this was coming. It's been speculated all year. Uh, Wit, what's your immediate thoughts on the situation at Auburn? I mean, it's been the same thoughts that I've had all season. I mean, it's the same thoughts that me and you sat around on the Alexander's couch talking about for like four hours uh, with our new family. It's, I mean, you got to hire Hugh Freeze. <clears throat> I mean, if if I'm Auburn, you don't fire a guy that you know you're going to have to pay. I mean, what's his buyout? $15 million or something like that? 
or was it eight million? I want to say it's twenty. I want to say it was twenty-one. 21 I don't know million. what they settled on. Yeah, I mean, you don't fire a guy that you know you're going to have to pay all that money to just to hire somebody that's cheap enough for you to pay for him. And this is the argument I've been having with a lot of my Auburn friends: is everybody's gone? Why? Why? Why would uh, Auburn spend all this money going after Hugh Freeze? Fifteen and a half. Sorry, you're gonna have fifteen to, and a half million. Fifteen and a half. You're pay, paying all this money to get these guys fired. Then you pay all this money to get Hugh Freeze to leave his job to come coach at Auburn, and you got to pay the buyout for his contract since he just signed a huge extension. Um, so, like everybody's like, how how can they even afford to do that? Auburn's not going to fire Brian Harson and pay all this money just to go get somebody like uh, like the guy from Coastal Carolina, Jamie Chadwell, or to go get like a like a random um, a random group of five head coach like a Chad Lunsford back when he was at Southern. Uh, like a Clay Helton, go get Jeff Collins, Dan Mullen, nobody like that. They're they're going to go after the big dogs. Um, and half the reason I think they brought over the AD from Mississippi State is because he has a proven track record of stealing head coaches from good teams, like he did with Mike Leach in Mississippi State. And obviously, I'm not a huge Mike Leach fan. I've heard that he's linked to the Auburn job now that the AD has come over. Um, and I think that would be a terrible hire considering their success against Alabama, which is absolutely zero. Um, and I've heard Dion, I've heard, um, apparently, you know, Bill O'Brien is it's linked to it as well. Uh, but if it's me, I mean, it's Hugh Freeze or nobody. You can't go unless you can get somebody like a Brian Kelly or like a Lincoln Riley from last year. I mean, like say like Ryan Day from Ohio State's going to leave to come coach Auburn. It's, it's not going to happen. Kirby Smart's not leaving Georgia to come coach at Auburn. Uh, so you got to go after a guy that's at Liberty. He has success in the SEC, has success beating Nick Saban. Uh, I think he's one of three coaches in Power Five or in D1 college football that has beaten Nick Saban more than once, or one of two coaches. I think it's him and Dabo. So if it's not Hugh Freeze, I mean, they're not doing their program justice. Yeah, and look – uh, the, the Auburn job is a really, really interesting one because the, I feel like there's two viewpoints that have kind of broken out here. From a national standpoint, there's there's this picture that's been painted of Auburn being in an extremely toxic environment uh, because of the booster situation and that it's a job that everyone's wanting to stay away from. And then the people that are close to Auburn are painting it as like a top three job and their top five job in the country and that anyone would be willing to drop the hat and go there. And I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle of it. Um, personally, from people that I've listened to that used to be close to Auburn that still have a lot of really close ties to Auburn, uh, they say that the booster situation was highly toxic and a massive reason for Brian Harson's lack of success. And that essentially whenever uh, they hired Brian Harson, it was not a guy that they wanted. They wanted Kevin Steele, the D.C. under Gus Malzahn, to be the new head coach. They didn't get their way. So they said, okay, well, the AD got his way. Now we're just going to let him frivol on the vine, so to speak. Um, and one of the ways that they did that now, uh, I don't know if, if there's a there's a podcast called crane and co i don't know if you've listened to him before uh no free shout outs but the guy that's like the main guy on there he's a graduate of auburn and he absolutely blames harson for everything and he's not willing to say that the boosters were a problem at all 
Um, I'm on the other side where I'm like, when you hear from people who have close ties to Auburn and there's a guy that is a beat writer uh, for Ole Miss that used to be a beat writer and cover Auburn, uh, lived in Mobile for a long time, covered Auburn for a long time. He still has a lot of ties there. And he says that from from his sourcing, uh, they basically raised between 11 and 15 million dollars in nil money and they wouldn't the boosters would not give it to brian harson and so brian harson in like had kind of come out and said like yeah we're not just going to give nil money to anybody like they've got to earn it and so the auburn fan base is like oh yeah we you know we've got money he needs to be giving it to people but the boosters were not letting brian harson give that money to who he wanted that's how they let him frivol on the vine so I'm with you. I think Hugh Freeze has got to be the guy that they go for. Um, obviously, one of the national 24-7 guys said that Lane Kiffin is their number one target. I find that personally hard to believe that Lane Kiffin would leave Ole Miss where it's at right now uh, to go to Auburn. I know that historically, Auburn is a much better program than Ole Miss. It's a blue blood in the SEC. Uh, but I would say in the last, you know, since the playoffs started, the playoff era of college football, which is what we're in right now, uh, they're pretty equal programs. Now, head-to-head, Auburn has had more success, but if you look at everything else since the playoff era, they're very, very similar. Uh, They've both been really good. Obviously, Ole Miss had a really bad downtime uh, for a few years after the Hugh Freeze mistakes there uh, that, that they got on probation, lost scholarships, but they've rebounded, and it's in a place now uh, where me, it's it's Lane Kiffin has made that a premier program in the SEC West. I'd say they're right now in the SEC West, they're a top three program. Uh, Auburn isn't, and there's a lot of rebuilding that needs to be done at Auburn. I think that they can quickly fix that, especially in this age of NIL and transfer portal. Uh, it could be done, and it could be done pretty quickly. I just think they've got a they, Auburn is in a position right now, though where they have to have a slam dunk higher, in my opinion, on this guy. If they miss on this one, I think it sets them back a good bit in the SEC because you have programs like Ole Miss and Tennessee that are rising back on the forefront and Florida's recruiting in the top 10 for next year. And Billy Napier's done a good job getting his grounding there. That if Auburn misses on this next hire, they're going to wind up in Tennessee land uh, where – they could be kind of middle of the pack and scratching for relevance for the next 10 years. Yeah, which honestly, I think unless they hire a guy like Lane Kiffin or like Hugh Freeze, that's what's going to happen to Auburn. Um, a lot of people are saying Deion Sanders is very high on the list. Um, and I think the reason for that is because instead of paying for somebody, I mean, if you're going to get Lane Kiffin, you're going to have to throw some big time money at him. He's making $8 million a year at Ole Miss. So you got to pay him. At least, I mean, I mean, think I think Kirby Smart's making ten or eleven. You got to get up there. I think Saban's at twelve, and he's the highest paid coach in college football. So you're having to pay a guy who has not done anything with your program yet more money than the best coaches in college football to come to your school. And it, would Lane Kiffin be worth it? Maybe. Um, now, granted, in the situation Auburn's in, I don't know if Lane coming over is an immediate change for them. I think they're going to need more than just his presence. Um, now, granted, could turn the program around. He's got the attitude for it. But if you're a guy like, I mean, I think Hugh Freeze is a better hire just because 
he's proven he can do more with less, like with what he did at uh, at Liberty, bringing over a guy like Malik Willis. The dude didn't even get a look as a starting quarterback at Auburn and ended up getting drafted and started in an NFL game this Sunday, this past Sunday. So I think Hugh Freeze is the guy. Deion Sanders makes some sense because you might not have to pay him as much because Deion isn't itching for money. I mean, he's got all these endorsement deals, obviously played uh, professional baseball, professional football for years. Um, I don't even know how much he's making at Jackson State. What's going to be interesting is trying to pry him away from Jackson State, number one, which he's come out and said it's something he'd be interested in. Um, but I think if you're Dion, you wait for a better job than Auburn. You don't want to jump into a program that's just like an absolute dumpster fire right now. Obviously not a quick turnaround. Um, I feel like you're better off waiting for like Brian Kelly to decide to retire or shoot Jimbo Fisher getting fired from A&M because Lord knows right now that's probably coming. Um, and I mean, there's all kinds of things that could happen in the next two years. You've seen it this these past two years alone. I mean, I think we've had what seven or eight power five jobs open up. I mean, it's, it's pretty consistent um, how quickly it's been turning around. So uh, I don't know. I, I think Hugh freeze is the guy. I don't know if they're actually going to hire him. Uh, but if I were Auburn, I, Blank checks would already be at his doorstep. And with Hugh Freeze, I don't think you you don't have to throw him a ton of money. Now you do. He did just sign an eight year extension with Liberty, and I think he personally, I think he did that knowing that that the Auburn job was coming open, and I'm pretty sure his agent has told him that he's probably going to get it. And I think he went ahead and signed that extension as a thank you to Liberty for everything that they've done. They've rejuvenated and revitalized his career. And so he said, hey, I want to make sure that I take care of these guys who help me out. Not that I think that Hugh Freeze is always the best guy, but uh, I think he did that as a thank you to Liberty because now he they have to, in, they've got to buy out his contract, which I think is $20 million that he would be owed. They'd have to buy out his contract at Liberty plus then have to to pay him. And they're not going to have to pay him the money that Elaine Kiffin is going to require. And, you know, Lane's at seven and a half right now. If they if they up that, say they go $10 million a year. And they say, all right, Lane, we're going to give you a 10-year, $10 million, 100, uh, a 10-year, $100 million contract, $10 million a year, fully guaranteed. There, if I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm someone that works for Auburn, I'm going to be the guy that sits in the back of the room and raises my hand and says, Hey guys, uh, look, I see we're getting really excited here and you know, we, we want to get Lane Kiffin that, that, that'd be great. But, uh, you do see what's going on in, in college station, right? Where they can't afford to fire Jimbo Fisher right now. And they're on the verge of being bowl ineligible after having one of the best recruiting classes of all time. Um, and they can't, they literally can't pay to buy him out. I mean, it's $86 million. You would have to consider that before you throw a massive contract out there because in November, or excuse me, uh, yeah, I guess it was last November that everyone was freaking out in Texas A&M about Jimbo Fisher potentially leaving and going back to L going to LSU to take that job. And they were like, wait a second, let's give him all this money. And now they're like, well, I guess we kind of wish he would have gone to LSU. So me, 
if you're Auburn, you've got to be careful. And Hugh Freeze gives you everything that you need. He's not going to cost you. You don't have to back up the Brinks truck. I think you can get him for six or seven million dollars a year. Um, he's going to want to be back in the SEC. Uh, now you, it, you're going to have to be patient, though. I think if you're if you're Auburn, because Hugh Freeze is while he's a really great football coach when it comes down to X's and O's. Uh, if you look back at that Ole Miss tenure, he had some duds in there too, where they lost games to Memphis when they shouldn't have. Uh, they were losing to Central Arkansas at halftime one game. So, I mean, you freeze, he'll lay some duds in there. He'll win big games. He'll lay some duds, and it's not going to be easy for him because one of the one of the things about Auburn that, that being a tough job, until Nick Saban retires, you're going up against the GOAT in-state every year in recruiting and playing against them. Oh, and your every year SEC East opponent is Kirby Smart in Georgia, and they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So – Auburn, it's a tough job. It really is. See, if I'm Auburn, if I'm this new AD for Auburn, one of my big sales for Hugh Freeze is, you know, right now you're playing Alabama, you're playing Georgia every single year, but guess what? The SEC is about to completely take a turnaround. Auburn might not be playing Georgia every year after what's about to happen with Texas and Oklahoma. Granted, the schedule gets tougher because Texas and Oklahoma are going to be on the schedule. Um, it's a rotating schedule, but they'll be on it. Um, and, and there will be teams that I think they'll keep together because of rivalries, but I would not be surprised if they got rid of the Georgia-Auburn rivalry. I don't want it to happen as a Georgia fan. To me, it's important. I enjoy it. Um, but if there's one to get rid of, out of like the top ones like Georgia, uh, Alabama-Tennessee to Matt's uh, allure, uh, obviously you still have Auburn-Alabama, you have Georgia-Florida, Alabama-LSU. All of those games are more important in my opinion, than Auburn-Georgia, especially with how the rivalry's been over the past couple of years. Because, honestly, Auburn's beaten Alabama more in the past five or six years than they have Georgia. I mean, Georgia's only lost to Auburn one time since 2014. 2013, the Prairie and Jordan-Hare, and then 2017, uh, when they beat Kirby Smart's team before they went to the national championship and before Georgia turned around and beat them in the SEC championship. So the rivalry isn't what it used to be. It's kind of like Georgia, Georgia tech. It's pretty much a one-sided rivalry. You'll get some good games here and there, uh, but it's, it's one that could go away. I mean, if, if the AD of Auburn comes out and is like, I don't want to play Georgia anymore. Let's just play Alabama every year. And then we'll play Georgia every two or three years or whatever. Um, and, and we'll be fine with it. We don't need to play them every year. Then I could definitely see that turning. And that'd be a good reason for Hugh Freeze to go ahead and jump ship and come to the SEC because he knows it's about to change that way. Um, but Hugh Freeze right now, he's only making like $4.25 million with the contract extension. He was at three before. You could pay him five or six, and I bet he'd leave. I think his buyout at Liberty, I'm not 100% sure on this, so don't quote me on it. I think it's only like $2.5 I don't think it's this like massive, crazy number because he's not a big-time Power 5 head coach. He's a group of five head coach, and he's he's the highest paid group of five head coach now. Um, but he's still in the group of five. I mean, it's still Liberty. They're not even at a conference. So it's it's hard to pencil him in with other guys. Um, but I think Auburn comes in. I think they give him like a six or seven million dollar deal. I think they pay his buyout. I think the whole reason for the extension, I'm with you, Matt. I think it was elaborate because they're coming out and saying, 
Now Hugh Freeze can go, this is what I'm getting paid at Liberty. It's more than three million. So you got to offer me at least five and a half or six. And then they're coming out and saying, and you also got to pay 2.5 or 3 million, whatever the buyout is for his contract extension. So Liberty gets that money when I leave. So and that and that's gonna pay back his salary from this past year too, if he's only making three million dollars if the buyout's really three or three and a half million. So it, it you can tell the fact that this happened when it did was very calculated. And I mean, hopefully for Auburn, it's what ends up happening. Cause as a Georgia fan, I'm not scared of any head coach we just listed besides Hugh Freeze. And I'm sure you're the same, Matt. Yeah. Uh you know, the Dion thing. You mentioned Dion. Uh, the the lure with Dion is the recruiting because, like, he got the number one overall recruit to Jackson State. That's why. That's why you would bring Dion in. But is he really a great developer of talent? Would he be able to assemble a staff around him to be competitive in the SEC? So I, I don't know. I I just think Hugh Freeze is the way to go uh, overall. Um, you know I. The the deal that I saw with Hugh Freeze is that uh, he's going to make five million a year. It's an eight year, forty million dollar contract, and uh, it's fully guaranteed. So I'm assuming that that would make his buyout around that. I, I don't know. I guess they would have to. It says the buyout in his new contract isn't big enough to prevent potential suitors from pursuing him so I, i'm assuming that that's probably it's it's higher than 2.5 million though i'm pretty sure yeah i haven't seen the official number i was just listening to some other podcasts this week and um somebody threw that out there that it was something under five million dollars it wasn't like a 20 million and and i don't know that for a fact so like i said don't quote me on it yeah, um i i just know that on I think I was the day that he signed it out because I thought, ooh, that's interesting. And then it was fully guaranteed. So I don't know if the fully guaranteed means that they would have to pay the entirety of his contract or if the buyout would be half of that. Somewhere, somewhere I saw that it was $2.5 but I think that that might have been I, – I don't really know. Uh, but nonetheless, I think Auburn has to get Hugh Freeze or someone like that. Uh, Matt Rule is a name I saw thrown out there. I don't, I don't think that that would be a great fit. Bill O'Brien, I don't think that would be a great fit. Uh, if you if you want to turn Auburn around, you've got to you've got to make a splash higher. Uh, someone that's a proven winner in the SEC uh, and that you can afford. You're not gonna have to buy back the Brinks truck up for uh, because, like I said, it's an important hire for them. So uh, you know, Hugh Freeze would be my pick, but I think we've uh, we've both come to that same conclusion. Here's the uh, here's where that source from. So it was a tweet from Ross Dellinger. Um, I believe he's with CBS. I could be wrong. He said, Liberty and Hugh Freeze have agreed to a new contract that extends through the 2030 season and will pay him nearly $5 million a year. Uh, sources confirm that to SI Now, so that's who he's with. ESPN First, the buyout is not hefty enough to keep certain SEC teams, let's say in Alabama, from potentially poaching him. So that's pretty much saying that this is a direct reaction to the fact that Auburn's probably about to come after Hugh Freeze with everything they have. And honestly, I don't see Bill O'Brien. I don't see Jamie Chadwell. I think it's Dion or it's Hugh Freeze or it's Lane Kiffin. 
Um, and if it's not either of those three, if it ends up being anybody else, if it ends up being Jamie Chadwell, I think they're in trouble. If it ends up being Matt Roll, I think they're in trouble. If it ends up being a guy like Dan Mullen or if they decide to go get Scott Frost or somebody like that, I think they're in a lot of trouble. Because uh, if they don't make a big hire here, like you were saying, Matt, they're going to be put back for years. I mean, with the way the SEC West is moving right now, you got Sam Pimmon at Arkansas. He's not going anywhere. If Mike Leach doesn't leave for Auburn, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon. Ole Miss has Lane. Bama's got Saban. Saban might retire, but Lord knows when. Um, and then Jimbo, you know, you never, you don't know what's going to happen to Jimbo. But as of now, he's he's there for the long haul. So you uh, you got to step your game up if you're Auburn. You do not want to be left behind in the SEC West. But uh, let's go ahead and roll along. Let's get to our pour one out. Cut them off, Matt. Who you pour one out for? So I'm going. Uh... Nothing related to sports for my poor one out this this week. Uh, I'm pouring one out for uh, my man Takeoff. Rest in peace, Takeoff. Uh, one of the three members of the Migos lost his life in Houston in a shootout this past this yesterday uh, morning. Woke up and saw the news, um, and he was the Migos. All three of them really represented Atlanta, and they embraced Atlanta culture. Uh, takeoff was no different. Uh, takeoff was Atlanta. Like they just kind of they they repped the city and everything they did. Uh, they were really part of like the they were there for the Braves. I know Quavo and Takeoff both had their Braves hats on a lot. They were repping the World Series. Uh, they repped the Falcons. I know Quavo goes to a bunch of the Georgia stuff, and you know you, you, the 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 guy was only twenty eight years old, and you hate to see any young guys like that. Uh, pass away so um you know i'm pouring one out for for my man takeoff representing atl culture and uh just sad sad story uh there and i am cutting off the city of philadelphia because my god i really don't want to see the phillies win a world series i have to talk about baseball at least at some point um i got to give them credit because that that place the bank was absolutely rocking last night it's rocking tonight Forty thousand strong they are getting after it there in philadelphia uh currently it's zero zero in game four uh really don't want to see the phillies win this thing so i and and the eagles are undefeated the city of philadelphia will be unbearable if the fightings and the Eagles are in the Super Bowl and the Fightings win the World Series. It's not going to be a good year for anyone outside of the city of Philadelphia because that is one of the most obnoxious sports towns in the history of sports towns. So cutting off the city of Philadelphia, uh, but pour one out for my man takeoff. Yeah, Matt, so I'm going to take one out of your book. I'm pouring one out for Vince Dooley. Uh, the GOAT of Georgia head coaches passed away earlier on this week. Um, got to see, you know, Georgia, Florida, Georgia beat Florida once again. Um, and, uh, you know, he did, a, he was incredible. He won 72% of his games at the university of Georgia. Uh, he was 102, 77 and 10 coach from 1964 to 1988, had a national championship win in 1980 with Herschel Walker, uh, and Buck Ballou, two of the greatest players of all time for the university of Georgia. Um, and then after that, went on to become the AD up until 2004. Um, he was the one that hired Mark Rick. And uh, and he did some wonderful things for the university. So got a permit out for Vince Dooley. Uh, lived a great life. I think he was 90 or 91. 
Uh, so he lived to be pretty long, especially for a head football coach. Because I mean, with all the stress those guys go through, I feel like they don't live as long as most people. So, uh, poor one out for him. Also, poor one out for drunk dads. Uh, got, had a nice little tailgate going this weekend. Uh, for a friend of mine that passed away back in 2019, same week as the Georgia Florida game. So now every year they host a charity event in honor of cancer to raise money for cancer. Um, and it's during the Georgia Florida game. Uh, this year they raised over a hundred thousand dollars, which is incredible. Um, it was really, really great atmosphere. Lots and lots of drunk dads, uh, specifically my own. Uh, he actually ended up spending a bunch of money on a silent auction to win me a Todd Gurley signed jersey, and uh, and uh, you know they, apparently that's my Christmas present. But my dad sober would have never done that, so definitely got to pour one out for drunk dads, and also Matt because Matt is also a fun drunk dad, <laughs> and I'm also good. I'm also uh, I'm going to be cutting off fall weddings. And we cut, the, we cut it off every week, literally every single week so far. One of us has cut off fall weddings. Uh, and once again, it rears its ugly head. This weekend, I was supposed to be at a wedding uh, for a very, very good friend of mine that I knew from up in Nashville. Uh, obviously, during the Georgia-Tennessee game, game of the century, summer claiming, one versus number one. Um, and uh, not and I'm not going to the wedding, not because of the game, just mostly because of some other reasons and because it's absurdly expensive. But um, it's, you know, just don't do it. I mean, there's, there's so many other times to have a wedding. You have it in the spring, you have it in the summer. People aren't doing much during the spring. Uh, there's all kinds of time to go do weddings, and the scenery's prettier, and it's, you know, it's co- usually cooler, too. Uh, so I don't know why all these people want to have these fall weddings. I understand it maybe, you know, late in the Christmas time. You get the Christmas feel with the weddings, you know, after the SEC championship, not before. Um, but it's, and, and that's okay with me, you know, maybe during bowl season, I don't mind missing Akron versus Ohio just because I'm going to a wedding. I can do that. But you know, right in the middle of the football season, Georgia, Tennessee, huge game, November game winner, more than likely going to the SEC championship, get to play Alabama or chance to go to the playoff. Honestly, probably making the playoff regardless. Um, it's massive, massive game. So cutting off fall weddings once again. And that moves us straight to our locks of the week. Matt, did you pick one? Yeah, so this week, my lock of the week, I'm going with the Pokes over the Jayhawks of Kansas. Uh, this, uh, I looked at this game and, and realized that they only have Oklahoma State as a two-point favorite. Now, I know they're going on the road and that Kansas has been playing – Pretty good this year. Uh, they're five and three, which is an overachievement by Kansas standards. Uh, but they've kind of come back to reality in the last few weeks. I think that Oklahoma State is who just got absolutely embarrassed by the boys from Manhattan uh, in Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, I think they're going to be coming back with a little bit of uh, a, a chip on their shoulder this week. They're going to have a good week of practice, and I think Mike Gundy's going to have them ready to roll. I think that the Pokes are going to knock off the Jayhawks this week, and uh, and it's definitely going to be by more than two. That's my take on that. Uh, Wit, what's your lock? So I really hate that Chad's not here for me to uh, throw this one in his face because we actually talked about it all last weekend. Uh, but I got Texas A&M minus three and a half against Florida. Uh, we, you know, we've been saying for weeks, AM is just done. They're not playing great. Jimbo looks like he, you know, could even be a surprise potential candidate to get fired at the end of the year. 
Um, but after watching the game last week against Ole Miss, A&M didn't look bad at all. Now, once they got Connor Wegman in at quarterback, somebody competent that could actually run the offense, they look way better than they did with Haynes King. Uh, the offense, you know, it's not the best in the country, but it's at least good enough to score some points. The defense is still solid. I know they gave up 31 points, but Ole Miss has a really solid offense. Uh, so I still think A&M is a good team. They get Florida at home. Uh, Florida's got some injuries. I think Anthony Richardson's playing hurt right now, or at least Chad says that every week. Um, so I think A&M comes in. Connor Wegman gets his first win. And, uh, and I think they cover that three and a half. Uh, I don't think it's a beat down. I think they probably went by about a touchdown, maybe 10 points at most. Uh, but I do think they get the win against Florida. And uh, moving straight into our first pick of the week, obviously, always got to pick the Georgia Southern game. We got South Alabama heading into Paulson Stadium to take on the Georgia Southern Eagles. Matt, who are you picking on this one? Yeah, so the uh, boys from Mobile are actually uh, playing pretty good this year. South Alabama uh, is six and two coming into this game, three and one in the conference. Their only loss is to a really good Troy team. Troy has actually played really, really well this year. Uh, Southern coming off of back-to-back wins against, uh, at the time, ranked number twenty-five James Madison and Old Dominion last week, who's been playing pretty well. Uh, so, being four-point dogs in Paulson Stadium is a bold strategy. So I'm going with Georgia Southern to win this game. Uh, I think that Georgia Southern in Paulson, power Paulson, is a real thing. James Madison felt it. Uh, so, and, I, and I think that the, that the South Alabama Jaguars are going to feel the same fate. Uh, it's going to be a close game, but I think Southern, it, who is not the same Georgia Southern from the past couple of years, are going to find themselves right in the mix for an opportunity to play against uh, – I'm thinking Troy in the Sun Belt Championship, uh, but they're going to have a shot. They've just got to keep on winning, and I, I like Georgia Southern's odds this weekend against South Alabama. I uh, I have not seen South Alabama play one time this year, so I couldn't tell you a single thing about them. Uh, but I have seen Georgia Southern play. I don't know what the over is in this game, but take it because it's it's not even going to be close. Georgia Southern uh, is a four-point underdog. I don't even think I read that off either way. I think Georgia Southern wins. I think they cover. Uh, I like Southern's offense. I think it's been very explosive this year. Uh, Van Treese is ranked top five in passing yards. He throws a lot of interceptions, but it's it's good to see Georgia Southern moving the ball again, even if it's not just with the run game. It's it's in both, um, and I think uh, Georgia Southern gets the win. I mean, Paul, Georgia Southern doesn't lose in Paulson, as you saw with James Madison when they rolled into town at, as number 25. So, go Eagles. And uh, would moving be on, remiss, do what? Would be remiss to say that there that South Alabama's only loss, uh, only other loss other than Troy, a four point loss to Troy was a one point loss to UCLA in LA. So uh, South Alabama's a good team. Yeah, it sounds like it's about time they got they got taken down a, a little a notch. They're doing they're doing too much. Doing too much winning. Take them into Paulson Stadium. We'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to our next game, we got Baylor at Oklahoma. Uh, obviously, both these teams, a little bit of a disappointment this year, but uh, they're still rolling along. Oklahoma, three-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Dylan Gabriel back. He's healthy. Matt, who you got? Yeah, Baylor's been a wildly disappointing team this year. They were Baylor was my preseason pick to win the Big 12, and I thought they were just going to carry on with the momentum from last year. Uh, but the guys down in Waco, Texas, have struggled mightily this year. 
Uh, Oklahoma has had their struggles at times this year, but the offense has run really efficiently whenever uh, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel has been in. Uh, Dylan Gabriel being healthy changes a lot there. So I really like the uh, Oklahoma Sooners in this one. I think that Oklahoma is going to go, and since it's a home game in Norman, I, I like uh, Oklahoma to win this. I like them to cover. I think this is three and a half point spread. Uh, so I, I like Oklahoma to win and cover against a Baylor team that to me is just not playing great football. Uh, right now they haven't been able to really establish themselves well on either side of the ball, uh, which is kind of a surprise for a Dave Aranda team. They, they've played okay, okay defense at times and they've been okay offensively at times, but they haven't done anything, uh, outstanding, uh, just to, Overall, a very disappointing year for Baylor, and I think that's going to continue this week against Oklahoma when Oklahoma beats them uh, fairly handily. Yeah, Matt, I'm with you too. I think Oklahoma wins this game, and I don't think it's really close. Baylor is so hit or miss. Uh, I feel like when they're playing at home, they play pretty well. Um, They normally have been winning at home. When they get on the road, they're just a different team. They haven't been showing up. Defense hasn't been as strong. They haven't been as physical. Uh, and Blake Shapin just is not turning out to be the quarterback they thought he would be. Um, but Dylan Gabriel's phenomenal. Oklahoma, when Dylan Gabriel's on the field, is a completely different team. I mean, going from week to week, when they lost to Texas 42 to nothing, uh, he they looked awful, and the offense couldn't even move the ball. With uh, Bethel, I think was his backup's name. I can't even remember. I mean, the dude was awful. He, he couldn't do anything. They couldn't even run the ball. They couldn't. It, it was It was very bad. Uh, Dylan Gabriel comes back against Kansas. Kansas coming to that game, one of the hottest teams of the country, even after losing to TCU the week before, and they beat Kansas pretty bad. Uh, I think the score ended up being somewhat close, uh, but we had that game on in Gatlinburg when I was there, and it was not very close. I mean, they were running away with the game the whole time. Felt like it was always in Oklahoma's control, um, and that's totally because of Dylan Gabriel. It's been that way since he's been back and healthy, and uh, I think Oklahoma – wins the game. I don't think it's close. I think they win by at least 10 points. Moving into our first of two SEC games of the week, the ESPN game. We have number six, Alabama, taking on number 10, now number 10, LSU Tigers in Tiger Stadium, Death Valley at night. LSU is a 13.5 point underdog against the Tide. Coming off the loss to Tennessee, coming off the win against Mississippi State at home, and then the bye week, Matt, who you got? You know, I, I it depends on which Alabama team we get. Uh, Alabama's been very Jekyll and Hyde, especially on the road. Uh, you're talking about an Alabama team that on the road nearly lost to Texas, did lose to Tennessee, and was only up five going into the fourth quarter against Arkansas. Granted, Against Arkansas, uh, Bryce Young had gotten hurt. They were up 14 uh, They had gotten out to a pretty large lead, and the next thing you know, it was 28-3, or 28-23, then in the fourth quarter. Alabama has not been particularly strong on the road the past two seasons. It's been uh, – it's it's no – there's no hiding it. It's, it's something that players have even mentioned that they were anxious going into the – the Tennessee game, that's not typical of a Nick Saban team. Bryce Young is the difference in this game for me. I, I think LSU covers the 13 and a half. To me, that's a that that is a that's easy money. 
Uh, you haven't seen Alabama be a team that's going to go into someone else's house and dominate them, especially with Jaden Daniels being as mobile as he is for uh, LSU. He's their leading rusher and their leading passer. So uh, he's done a really good job at quarterback. That offense is kind of built up around him. And I think that he, he's a, he, he plays into something that Alabama doesn't do particularly well, and that's covering running quarterbacks. So watch out for uh, LSU to put up some points. I think this is going to be a close game that Alabama wins, but I, I think it's going to be in that four to eight point range that Alabama is going to win. It's going to be a lot closer than people think. I, I'm going to say Alabama wins this one uh, 31-24. Yeah, I, I think this is either going to be a close game that Alabama wins or a complete blowout, and Alabama just coming coming into the game and going, hey, we're not the number six team in the country. We're a top-four team, um, and I could absolutely see them doing that. That's why I did not bet LSU plus 13.5. I bet LSU plus 17.5, and, a half, and uh, I was willing to let go of a little bit of money for that one just to get the extra points, opposite of what I did when I bet Alabama – to beat Mississippi State by 30 and a half instead of 21, like a complete moron. So I, I think it's lower scoring than what you think, Matt. I think it's in that 30s range or in the 20s range. I don't think anybody gets over 30. Um, but I do think Alabama wins a game. I think they win by 14 to 15. Uh, I don't think it's a complete blowout. I could see it being that way, and it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but LSU is a good football team. Are they deserving of the number 10 spot? I don't think so, personally. I think they're more of a top 15 team, though. Uh, and I think they're playing good football. The fact that it's in Death Valley makes it very interesting. They could come out and win this game, but it would surprise me. Uh, but either way, I think I'm going to take LSU with the points. Uh, if I'm getting the plus 17, I'm not taking it with the points if it's plus 13 and a half. And, uh, and I think Alabama wins the football game. And then moving to our next game. Another night game. Lots of good night games this week. We have number 24, Texas, taking on red hot number 13, Kansas State. Kansas State, two and a half point underdog in this game. Who you got, Matt? And yeah, I was so surprised to see that Kansas State came in as a two and a half point dog at home against Texas, uh, coming off of a 48 nothing absolute thrashing of Oklahoma State last week. Uh, Texas has been really interesting because Texas has had games where they've looked like world beaters. Uh, and then Texas has had games where they have looked very average, like against Iowa state when it took a score late for them to win that game. Uh, and they ended up losing to Oklahoma state, the same Oklahoma state. They got absolutely thrashed by Kansas state. Um, Look, with Will Howard being in at quarterback for Kansas State, I think he makes their offense better. I know last week I had a very different take, but watching him play in that game last Saturday, uh, Will Howard is a difference maker on offense for Kansas State. Uh, he is able to stretch the field with his arm. He is not scared to sling it. He's very gun He's got a lot of gunslinger tendencies. Uh, Kansas State has not been – absolutely out of any games that they've been in this year uh even tcu they had tcu who i think is one of the top four teams in the country on the brink and their only other loss was to uh to a, a top 25 tulane team so i like kansas state to win this game i don't see the, the, them being a dog 
uh, again at home. If this game was in Austin, I would probably understand it. But uh, Manhattan against a, a team that's just red hot right now, I, I, I like to. I got to play the hot hand. Give me Kansas State. Matt, I think you're going to disagree with what I'm about to say, um, mostly because I know you're a big Steve Sarkeesian fan. I still think he sucks. I've been saying this. And when I say sucks, he's not Brian Harson. He's a better coach than Brian Harson. But if we're talking big-time, blue-butt program head coaches, I don't think he's one of the better guys. If you look through their schedule, they have not done anything that's impressed me this year except for almost beat Alabama at home. If you look at their schedule... They beat UTSA by 21. Okay, cool. They lost to Texas Tech by three. They beat West Virginia, who is terrible, in my opinion, except except for when they're playing at home. Texas was playing at home this game, beat them by 18. They thrashed Oklahoma without Dylan Gabriel. And like I just said, Oklahoma's a completely different team without Dylan Gabriel. Beat a very bad Iowa State team by three and went to overtime. Or no, they didn't go overtime. But they lost to Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State by seven points, 41-34 in their last game two weeks ago before their last bye week. And in my opinion, Oklahoma State's not a good football team. You saw what Kansas State did to them last week. In my opinion, there's two good football teams in the Big 12. It's Kansas State and it's TCU. And in my opinion, I think Kansas State should have won that game against TCU. They held the lead pretty much the entire game. TCU, give them credit, came back and won it. Uh, But I think Kansas State's the best team in the Big 12. With Will Howard, it's a completely different team. Adrian Martinez, great runner, not a good passer. Will Howard, very good passer. Their offense looks completely different. Deuce Vaughn starting to get space uh, coming out of the backfield, and they look a lot more explosive. So I think Kansas State wins this game, and I don't think it's close at all. Uh, I think Texas is going to come up with a win against TCU next week, and that's going to be the win they're going to hang their hat on for the rest of the season and what keeps Steve Sarkeesian still getting the momentum going forward. But this is still not that great of a football team. And I think the reason people are are getting all up on them, they beat Oklahoma the way they did without Dylan Gabriel, with a bunch of people hurt, um, and it's still Texas. So when Texas wins any football game whatsoever, they're back. So Texas is not back yet. Let me just say that. Kansas State, they're covering. It's not going to be close. Moving on to the next game, we got number four, Clemson at Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Matt, who do you think wins this one? I kind of want to pick Notre Dame, and I think we're going to do it. I I don't know why this game just – Notre Dame has been getting some momentum. I mean, like Syracuse was undefeated. They had Clemson on the brink, and Notre Dame went on the road to the Carrier Dome and handled Syracuse with no issues. Uh, they, they they dominated that game against Syracuse. And to me, Clemson is in this really weird point in whatever they're doing to where Dabo pulled DJU out and then he's like, no, but it's still DJ's team. And, you know, Cade Klubnik showed that he could be flashy with his legs, but didn't really show a lot with the arm in that game against Syracuse. And it took a couple of weird things to happen. I feel like Notre Dame and Clemson are trending in opposite directions as the season's gone on. To me, Notre Dame has gotten consistently better. They had some bad losses earlier this year. Uh, honestly, they they hung in there with a with the number two team in the country right now, which is Ohio State in the horseshoe. 
And I feel like they left so much on the field in that week one game that it ended up coming back to bite them in the following week. And then it took him a minute to get some momentum going. But Marcus Freeman, I think, has done a good job of salvaging this season. And I think this is the game that he turns to and says, successful season, we beat Clemson, we lost three games. It's not where we want to be, but this is the direction that we want to get Notre Dame football in the, in the heading towards. I, I just I think Notre Dame wins this game. I think they went by a, a touchdown. And uh, I, I don't know. That's just my gut feeling. I want to pick Notre Dame to win this game, too. Because, in my opinion, if you look at Clemson's schedule, this is the only game they have left that they could lose before they make the, the playoff. And uh, I've been saying all year, TCU and Clemson cannot both make the playoff. There's no way. I don't think both these teams are good enough to both make it in. Um, and like I just said on the last prediction, I think TCU is going to lose a game. They have to go to Baylor and play at Baylor. They have to go to Texas, play at Texas. Uh, both those teams, not great in my opinion, but they're good enough, especially at home, to beat a TCU team. Um, This is Clemson's only chance for a loss. It could happen. It would not shock me. Uh, but I just can't get over that Notre Dame loss to Stanford. I watched almost that entire game because I was with my buddy who's a huge Notre Dame fan, and they looked awful. I mean, I know they've had so many things happen to them this season. They've completely flipped the roster. Uh, Drew Pines pretty much taken over as starting quarterback. And, you know, he's been better than Tyler Buckner, but, dude, he's just still not that good. Um, I think they're going to need some big-time transfers to come in next year for them to be what Notre Dame expects Vargas Freeman to be. Um, and I think they lose this game. I do think it's close. Uh, I think it's a classic Clemson game where Clemson lets Notre Dame hang around for too long and uh, and looks like they're going to lose. And I think Clemson does something wanky at the very end of the game and ends up winning and everybody's going, oh my God, we're going to have to watch Clemson play Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State, or Tennessee in the first round, and that's just going to be an absolute beatdown. And and it will be, and I'm predicting that too. So uh, I'm going Clemson. I think they win this game, and uh, I'm also going to say they're going to go on and win the ACC and get blown out in the playoff. And go ahead and book that down. Moving to our last game of the week. This is the college game day game of the week. We have number one, Tennessee, new number one, Tennessee. Heading into AP number one in college football playoff, number three, Georgia playing in Athens. Uh, crowd should be rocking. Tickets are unreal expensive, uh, so I will not be going. But Georgia, eight and a half point favorite over number one. Matt, who wins this one? Georgia. Georgia wins it, I, and I, I. This is an unpopular hot take. Don't think it's. I think it's going to be a close-ish game. Uh, Nolan Smith being out for Georgia, I think, is going to be a big loss, and it's going to be noticeable on defense. And what I don't think Georgia wants to have happen, I don't think that Georgia wants to get into a track race with with Tennessee. I don't think they want it to turn into what Alabama Tennessee was where it's a high-scoring 52-49 type of game. That's not what Georgia wants. Georgia wants to keep this game in the 30s, and I think they're going to be able to do it. I think that Georgia's secondary is and what Kirby Smart is going to do is he's going to go in and he's going to mark all the mistakes, and he's going to watch the Alabama film over and over and over again. And he's going to be able to, weigh, be able to figure out a way to – manage the mistakes enough on defense 
to force a couple of short drives for Tennessee that turn into points for Georgia and get Tennessee in a catch-up game. And I think Georgia winds up winning this one. And I think they cover. I think Georgia wins this game by at least 10. Um, personally, I, I just – Tennessee's good. I was talking about this with somebody else. I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee. They beat Alabama. I I, I watched it just like everybody else. We're a field goal away from not really talking about Tennessee like we're talking about Tennessee right now. And I think that people hang their hat on Tennessee being beating Alabama, but not talking about the fact that Alabama made so many mistakes that gave Tennessee a massive lead. And then they came back from being down 28-10 and still forced it to a point where they had a chance to win it. And so I don't see Georgia making the same mistakes. It's a home game. It's in Athens. Tennessee is going to have to be able to run that offense on the road. And we saw that Florida's defense was able to, to hold Tennessee to 38. I think Georgia is going to be able to do that and more. I think Georgia wins this game pretty handily. Yeah, Matt, I think honestly it's going to come down to can Georgia get ahead early? Because when Tennessee's been blowing out teams the way they did against Kentucky, uh, the way they ended up beating Bama obviously didn't blow them out, but they had a huge lead going into the end of the second quarter before Alabama started coming back. Um, and same with Florida before they let Florida come back. Same with Pitt, same with LSU. All these teams they're beating, they're getting a big lead early on, and then they're letting teams come back. Um, and the teams that don't have the offense to come back, like a Kentucky, like an LSU, um, that's that's when they're losing football games. Uh, obviously, the Alabama game, Alabama came all the way back. They had the lead. They pretty much had the win um, until that pass interference call called it back, and uh, they ended up scoring and then getting the field goal at the end of the game. Uh, but either way, Tennessee's a good football team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them. I'm with Matt. Uh, they deserve to be the number one team in the country at this point. Uh, but if you watch their team, their defense is not great, um, especially – when they're playing in tight games. I mean, Alabama pretty much had their way with them. And I think Matt might agree with me this year. Alabama's offense is nothing to, you know, they're not incredible. They don't have the weapons Alabama normally does, especially at receiver. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is unbelievable. Bryce Young, unbelievable. Another Heisman contender. He might win two, uh, two in a row. And it would not shock me whatsoever. But Tennessee, I mean, offense is super explosive. I think Georgia's going to have more success stopping the passing game than Alabama did because I think the guys that played for Alabama in that game are not as strong at defensive back as Georgia's defensive backs are this season, uh, especially at the safety positions, which I think will play a big part with how good Jalen Hyatt's been because it's not going to be a cornerback that's going to cover Jalen Hyatt. It's either going to be a safety or it's going to be a, um, a star position, slot corner, nickelback kind of guy. Uh, or a linebacker. And if we have linebackers on Jalen Hyatt, he's going to have five touchdowns again. Uh, but either way, I think Brock Bowers has his way with Tennessee's defense. Uh, I think Georgia's going to be able to run the ball just with the way that the offensive lines looked this past couple weeks. Uh, Dajan Edwards has looked incredible. Kenny McIntosh finally starting to come on. Uh, I'd like to see Branson Robinson get a couple more carries this game like he did at the end of the Florida game because uh, a lot of people are saying, Nick Chubb 2.0, and I can definitely see that, and I think that's something Georgia needs this year. Uh, I mean, honestly, it's going to come down to Stetson Bennett not turning the ball over. He's had some issues with that this year, um, different from what he did last year. And uh, if, if he can play a consistent game, Georgia doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Georgia gets the ball, goes up early, can uh, hold Tennessee 
to not over 30 points at halftime. I think Georgia wins the game. I'm going to predict Georgia wins the game by 14 points, and I think it's going to be like 44 to like 20. I guess it's 44 to 20. I think that's going to run the 20, though. Let's say like 52 to 28. I guess that's 14, right? I'm not good at math. You're a teacher, aren't you? That's 24. 28 to 44? What did I say? 50. You said 52 that's, to 28. That's 14. What did I say? Or 42. That's 24. Is that a score? There we go. <laughs> 42, Four, 42, 42 to 28. 42 to 28, final score. Georgia wins the football game, and uh, I am going to get help with math. So, Boom. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. Before you guys log off today, please don't forget to drop us a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram and TikTok at Around the Keg and on Twitter at Around the Keg Pod. If you'd like to help support future episodes, please click the support link in the description of today's episode or check out our merch at AroundTheKeg.com. Send us any questions or topics you want us to discuss on the show, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Have a great week. See y'all.